Can you do that again? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? How are you today? I'm thinking, how are you? Nice to see you. Have a nice day. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? 
they said when you got here, the whole thing started. Who are you? What are you? Where did you come from? I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're evil. Evil! Shifting production to Thailand. We want every American child to have access to pristine outdoor spaces. When young Americans experience the breathtaking beauty of the Grand Canyon, when their eyes widen in amazement as old faithful bursts into the sky, when they gaze upon Yosemites, Yosemites, towering sequoias, their love of country grows stronger, and they know that every American has truly a duty to preserve this wondrous inheritance. And that's what they're doing, and that's what we're doing. We're preserving an incredible Inheritance. Yes. Hi. I was wondering if this was the same Chris T who does um, the radio show. Because um, if it is, I think your show is really great. Um, but if it isn't, um, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Threat me again! How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Nice to see you. Have a nice day. You've got to find a way to give them a dollar and take two. (laughs) Not an easy task. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Punks and the misfits get all the headlines. You're a bunch of pussies wearing masks. Looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. What a bunch of clowns. I know how to talk to people. What sort of talk is that? Modern talk? You want to know what I think? I think you're some kind of deviated prevert. And that you were organizing some kind of mutiny of preverts. Oh, that'd be a good name for this show, wouldn't it? A mutiny of preverts. I like it. I think I'll call my podcast a mutiny of preverts. Oh, I'd like to go one day in my life without hearing the word podcast, but oh well. It's not going to happen, not anytime soon. It's me. It's me, Chris T. Here on thehoundnyc.com, where every Sunday at 3 p.m., Hound Howls, followed by Mark and Miriam, crashing the party, the doo-wop, chop shop of the air. And then otherwise, Vintage Hound shows playing endlessly. The best music you never heard. You missed it the first time around. Now you get to hear it. Tonight, very exciting. We welcome Ken Katkin back to the program in just a moment. You know Ken, you love Ken from his work teaching constitutional law at the Salmon P. Chase School of Law at Northern Kentucky University. And also from his show, Trash Flow Radio, heard every Saturdays, maybe not this Saturday. We'll get an update from Ken over the airwaves of WAIF-FM in Cincinnati and online as well. And we'll hear more from Ken all about that in just a moment. He'll correct anything I've said that's incorrect. We'll also get an update, if you remember the last time, Ken was on Aerial View. We talked about this uh, weird seizure of a Toyota of his, a green Camry, if memory serves, off of the uh, streets of Chicago. 
or someplace Chicago adjacent, and how this is now spinning into uh, what could possibly be a police-driven criminal enterprise. It's very exciting, folks, very exciting. Uh, first, a little bit of an update here from Aerial View. If you're a regular listener of Aerial View, and even if you're an irregular listener of Aerial View, you might know that in the month of March, I haven't been on live very much on Fridays, and I apologize for that. I've been running Aerial View archives, and I've also decided to now make those part of the podcast stream. So when I run an archive, it will become a podcast. And... uh I hope to be on live more often on Fridays. As long as I can find a guest and come up with something to talk about. There's plenty to talk about right now. There's plenty to talk about. Namely, uh, the first American president to be indicted. And that's why I wanted to have Ken here for this. But Ken, hopefully first you can give us an update on the uh, seizure of your green Toyota Camry. Was it, wasn't it green? Yeah, you remember it well. It's a... Green 2010 uh, Camry. Okay. And, and can we get yeah, the recap? Uh, yeah. You want to recap or want me to recap? Yes, please. Yeah. So the uh, um, so your longtime listeners will remember that uh, in mid-January this year, a couple months ago, um, I thought that that car was stolen off the streets of Chicago and uh, actually tried to report it stolen to the police. Uh, but the Chicago police told me that they could not take a theft report or, or give me a theft report because my car had, according to them, had not been stolen. It had been seized as part of a law enforcement investigation of a major crime uh, by a suburban police department from Dalton, Illinois, who had come into Chicago and seized the car off of Chicago Street. Now, um, I don't want to tell the whole story again, but the, the long story short was that, that, that um, it had, in fact, been stolen, but it was just stolen by a Dalton, Illinois police officer. And he had entered it into... Um, the, the, the law enforcement databases as if he had seized it uh, in connection with a major crimes investigation um, to kind of try to keep heat off of himself, you know, so that there wouldn't, you know, other police departments wouldn't uh, investigate. And, uh, you know, I was able um, with some effort, um, owing both to the fact that I am a lawyer and that I, I, I was able to make contact with other lawyers in Chicago who could help me up there because I, you know, I live in Cincinnati. Um, they, uh, um, we were able within about 20 days, uh, to get the, the police to return the car and it, it was unharmed. Um, and they kind of walked it back and, and claimed that, um, they had only mistakenly thought that it was used in a major felony, but now they, they were ready to clear it and, and return the car to me. Uh, but even then, um, they, they charged me $1,300 in bogus, um, to- towing and st- storage fees, um, in fact, the tow lot that the collected oh, the, the audacity, fees, the audacity, the audacity. Yeah. And and the tow lot that collected the fees, you know, not only did not have the car and did not return the car after they extorted thirteen hundred dollars in, in cash out of me. You know, they took the cash first. Then they went out on the lot to you know find my car. And then only then did they realize they never even had the car. Whoopsie daisy. On that lot. We don't what? have your car. You yeah. don't have your car. Mm. And, you you know, your, your listeners have heard this part of the story before, but the policeman who stole it still had it. Um, his name was Detective uh, Major Coleman, and Major's actually his first name, not his rank. Um, but he he stole the car and he kept the car. So, so you know, his, his department, you know, sent me over. You know, probably he fooled them too, but they, they sent me over to the tow lot where he had told them it was. 
and uh, um, you know, I and and then the toll lot would not refund the money, and eventually, you know, later that same night, um, the tow lot was able to find the car at the at the police headquarters in Dalton, and and we were able to go back and get it. So, you know, the 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 the, the Dalton police had never once, you know, spoken to me until a moment in time where they said that they they had cleared my car and would return it. Um, but even then it cost me $1,300 cash to get it back and I lost 20 days use of it. And um, so, you know, to sort of update everybody, um, I decided at that point in time that I really ought to pursue this um, through civil litigation because I, I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm a law professor. I, I've got friends who are lawyers in Chicago who could help me up there. And I figured the, 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 this, this criminal police department in Dalton, Illinois, is really preying on people. And you may have even read in the New York Times a week or two ago, they, they focused on Memphis, Tennessee and not on the south side of Chicago, but they, they had a big investigative report on a very similar scam in Memphis. And the, the Times had actually run one a couple of years ago on a similar scam in Alabama, um, where these, these police departments, you know, abuse um, both their ability to seize cars, which they, they when they claim that it's part of an investigation, um, or their ability to use a legal mechanism called civil asset forfeiture to actually try to formally take title to the cars that they've stolen. Um, and it, it's an incredibly abused process, but it's almost entirely directed against, um, you know, poor people who are not sophisticated and who don't really have any idea about how they could possibly fight the police on something like this. So, so I'm fighting. Mm, um, so, yeah. so, yeah, so, so the, the, um, the, the, one of the things I decided to do in my, in my lawsuit is um, I decided to try to learn as much as I could about other um, seizures by the Dalton Police Department other than the seizure of my car. You know, I figured they seized quite a lot of cars. And in fact, when we were out at this tow lot that turned out not to have my car, you know, one, one of the reasons that the tow lot didn't know immediately that they didn't have my car is because it's a massive tow lot with a massive impound lot, you know, filled like, with- Like how many cars yeah. would you say? I'm going to say at least 500 cars. 500 you know, cars. Yeah, not all of which were towed by uh, the Dalton Police Department, but this is like a you know a bunch of the South Suburban Chicago departments. You know, the South Side, South Suburbs of Chicago are all like very poor suburbs. Um, you know, predominantly African American populations, dwindling tax bases, and I don't think Dalton's the only one that does this. But they, you know, they're all in cahoots with this tow lot down there in Calumet city. And yeah, there were like more than 500 cars on that lot, you know, that had been, um, you know, I mean, I can't say that all of them were, were, were seized and impounded like mine was. It's possible that some of them were stolen cars that were recovered and things like that. But, but they were, um, this is a, you know, a tow lot that is only every car in that lot was brought there by police departments. And there were, um, yeah, certainly more than 500 cars out there. And so the, the one question that I got curious about was, uh, you know, how many of these cars that get seized, in the end, how how often does someone ever get convicted of a crime? Because it seems to me like if they're actually convicting people of crimes and and using you know these cars were used in crimes, they might have some legal justification for the seizures. But if if they're never convicting people of the car crimes and they're just seizing the cars, that makes it more obvious it's it's just a car theft ring, and they're hoping that you know the people whose cars they seize will just be too afraid to keep fighting them and will go away and they'll they'll have the car and they'll never have to bother about you know charging anyone with a crime and uh um I'm pretty sure that's what's going on but I I've, I've been filing for a lot of documents and uh I did start getting a lot of documents from the Dalton Police Department about other cars that they seized 
But also part of my document request was for um, documents related to the seizure of my own car. And they never gave me any of those. And they passed all the legal deadlines. And, and I tried to escalate it up to the, the village clerk's office, which had some kind of supervisory authority over the police. And, uh, you know, got nowhere with this. So I did finally, you know, go to court on that. And I, in, in Chicago, you had to sue them. In other words, Yeah, I sued. I sued under the Illinois Freedom of Information Act. And I said, you know, they're not giving me documents on uh, that I'm entitled to about the seizure of my own car. And they have no they haven't even offered any excuses for not giving it. So I started that process in court and, you know, they they made an appearance and, and said, well, we're, we're still working on it. And um, the case is still pending. But once they told that to the judge, they at least coughed up one document. So I got this document just the other day and it's a pretty interesting document. Now, again, just to you know, I know your readers are not your listeners are not as steeped in the facts as you and me are, but. My car was seized in January of 2023, and their claim at the time was that they thought that it was used in a bank robbery that took place in Dalton a couple months earlier, in October of 22. Um, and so the one document I now have, and I'll, I'll give this to you, Chris, and if you can find a way to post it um, on one of the Aerial View um, you know, pages, um, uh, then um, uh, your listeners can, can look at it. Um, it's the police report from the armed robbery. Right. So this is a police report that was filled out uh, in on October 21 of 2022. So that's that's two months before my car was seized. And it's an incident report related to the armed robbery that apparently did happen in Dalton. And, you know, they claim that my car may have been used in it. Um, now, when you actually read this, um, th this uh, uh, police report, um, it, it starts out by saying that um, there was a there was a, a um, the, the the car that was associated with the crime was a white Infinity sedan bearing an Ohio license plate, which was my license plate. Um, but I don't have a white Infinity. I have a, a green Toyota Camry, right? So they're saying this car was a white Infinity, but it had my plate on it. And in fact, it says it was a white Infinity with a black rear spoiler, and that it was um, it had just gone away from the the bank robbery and got on to Interstate 94, which down there is, I think, called the Bishop Ford's Expressway outside of Chicago. And uh, um, uh, th so so it's describing a car that has my plate on it, but is not my car. Um, but then even even better, like it continues with what happens next. And it says the, the police um, uh, made, gave chase, and they actually chased this car um, down the Bishop Ford's Expressway, down I-94. Wow, okay. And, it, and they chased it into Indiana, um, you know, across the state line into Indiana, out of Chicago. And they kept chasing it into Gary, Indiana, which is probably about 15 miles from the Chicago line. I've been um, to Gary, Indiana. Yeesh. Yep. Yeah, you've say. been there with me, in fact, right? Yes, as a matter of fact, yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, right. we've been there together. Um, yeah, so they, they chased my car. Now, the, the report gets to, to an exact address. They chased, they, not my car, they chased the white infinity with my plate from the scene of the robbery to an address at 3549 Lincoln Street in Gary, Indiana, where they caught the guy. And not only did they catch the guy, you know, f who fled in this white infinity. But wait, wait, don't tell me. Wait, it was also the childhood home of the Jacksons. <laughs> not know, only did they catch the guy. There. You're actually, Aren't I mean, they I don't from think Gary? It was literally that address, I but I do so, believe yeah. it had to be within a couple blocks of there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, we got uh, Kay, um, by the way, uh, we've got <laughs> COVID Ken Katkin on with us right now, uh, telling us all about the 
2010 Green Camry that the uh, Dalton police wanted real, real badly. So. Yeah, because this this white infinity with the black spoiler, which was not my green Camry, but which maybe had a stolen plate for my Camry on it. They chased that car into Gary, Indiana. They caught it at three, five, four, nine Lincoln, just around the corner from uh, Michael Jackson's birthplace. And they 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 arrested the, the perpetrator and they towed the car. It says right here in the police report, the vehicle was towed by the FBI to their garage for processing and evidence recovery. They now, took now the that's because bank robbery is a federal crime, right? I mean, that's, yes, is that why the FBI gets yeah, involved? Yeah, bank robbery is a federal crime. And in mm. fact, the uh, the escape uh, attempted escape crossed state lines, too. They they got the guy in Indiana after the bank robbery was in Illinois. Yeah. Um, but this this all happened on the same day. Um, the, the Dalton police were part of that chase. They, they made that police report. And the report concludes by saying they arrested the guy and they took the car, right? So that was the car that had my stolen plate on it, but obviously wasn't my car. And and so it was two months later, you know, after they'd already caught the perpetrator, after they'd already had the FBI impound and tow away the actual car that was actually used in the robbery, you know, that's when uh, Detective Coleman, who himself was the author of this police report in October, you know, that's when he kind of, you know, comes up with the scheme. Well, since there's a police report that, you know, says that a car with my license plate um, number on it w- w- was used uh, in an armed robbery, that gives him a little bit of, uh, um, you know, cover, you know, to steal my car and, and claim that it's in uh, connection um, with the investigation of the armed robbery because, you, Who my friend, have pulled on a thread. You have pulled on a thread, and this whole thing's unraveling. And as we've said before, and as I've said before, I'm, I'm guarantee, I guarantee your 2010 Camry isn't the only vehicle. This sounds to me like uh, a criminal enterprise. I think the tip of the iceberg was your car. And uh, like you said, they're counting on people not fighting back, so they probably just get away with it again and again. Um, this is all conjecture on my part, and I'm the one saying it. Ken's yeah, not I'm, the one saying I, it's, it's, this. It's, it's my conjecture too, and I'm going to prove okay. it, Chris. And we are, you know, we're getting these records slowly but surely. I can't wait till this becomes a storyline on the Connors. That that's when you know it is really has gotten <laughs> into the public consciousness, you know. Um, but yeah, it is civil asset forfeiture. I remember seeing like 60 minutes reports about this years ago. A lot of investigative journalism about what a racket it is. It's a total racket, and not just in Dalton, Illinois. Correct? Yeah, it's it's a racket everywhere. Um, mm. You know, in, in in my case, it didn't even get as far as civil asset forfeiture because I told I I contacted the prosecutor from the civil asset forfeiture unit before Detective Coleman ever did. You know, so the the prosecutor first heard about it from from me, not from the police. And and then and then the prosecutor's office started asking the Dalton police what was going on, which actually you know scared them off from putting it into civil asset forfeiture. But but for a lot of other people, like the 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 police, if they manage to steal somebody's car and just hang on to it for a few weeks, and it seems as though whoever's car it is is too afraid or too unsophisticated to figure out how to go to the police and demand that they give the car back, you know, the, then the next or, or step doesn't be, have the money, can't get can't get it out of the it. impound I mean, lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you could, you, yeah, you could first start, you know, contacting the police, I suppose, whether you had money or not and mm. saying, you know, why did you take my car? But I think some people are afraid to even do that. But yeah, once the, once the police figure that they can get away with it, 
they can they, they have to go through a prosecutor's office and through a court but they can get the prosecutor to file a, a motion in court for civil asset forfeiture where essentially the policeman will come in and say um this car was used um in a crime uh and um you know i think that for that reason um my police department should be able to take ownership of this car and take it away from whoever owns it now and officially get it titled to our police department so we can auction it off and, and make money that way and it, it, you know most of those um cases the, the people don't have the wherewithal to come in and contest it and so that actually legitimizes the theft you know and, and until until they can get that civil asset forfeiture order in a court um it is just theft because you know i owned my car the whole time you know detective coleman had it but he did not have title to it but um but but you know after the civil asset forfeiture proceeding the the court would actually give a police department title to it and the and the police would get to keep all the money if they auctioned it off all right before we move on to the most corrupt president of all time i have a couple of questions one did the police report mention how much the bank robber got i'm just curious it's the it's kind of i'm wondering yes. if this was like a two thousand dollar robbery if it was twenty thousand dollars if it was some ridiculously low amount no it money. was a lot actually it was um, a lot of money yeah, the, the the police report says that it was a um, it was an armored truck that was robbed um, that was moving money from the bank. That's always and, an inside job. It's always an inside yeah, job. Yeah, and that they took a bag containing one hundred eighteen thousand dollars in U.S. cash plus two firearms, uh, both Glocks, um, who belonged to that belonged to the security guards. That's uh, that's pretty wild. That's yeah. that's pretty yeah, significant. So I, I that's that that's significant like jail time, crime. right? Yeah, it's a serious yeah. crime. Yeah. And the other question is, any idea what the Blue Book value of your car is currently? Because I'm curious what they would have gotten for it if they had sold it. You know, it's a you know, you know, there's this, um, you know, kind of super inflation and in used cars going on right now. Yeah. What's, and the, so what's the mileage I, on your Camry? Yeah. Well, my, my Camry has about one hundred and forty thousand miles on it. Maybe it's a twenty ten Camry. OK. That's, and and, yeah. and I'm going to say as recently as a year ago, I would have evaluated it about six thousand or maybe five thousand. But um, when I actually did go and you know to find out what it was worth just recently, cars like that are selling for over ten thousand now. You're kidding me with one hundred forty thousand no. miles on it, really? Yeah, wow. you can't find one for less anymore. It's part. I mean, I think that's crazy, and that's a bubble that's going to burst. But right now, that's what they're worth. So I wonder what that they could have gotten somewhere near that at auction, right? Because the police they have these auctions, or maybe they don't do the auction somebody else does the auction for them but every once in a while like used car dealers who are usually the only ones who can get into these auctions the public can't really get into them um you need a license and you need a number and you need the fee and whatever just to get into the auction and they would have just auctioned your car off to some used car dealer and it would have appeared on a lot somewhere and then somebody would have bought it you know, that's right. That I mean, I think that. the used car dealer probably would have paid about six grand for it and then probably would have sold it for about 10 grand. Yeah. Wow. That's how bad things are there that they don't yeah. <laughs> they need to do this. It's like it's it's wild. It's just wild to me. It really is. But good luck with that. And we are going to look for regular updates from you. But right now we have to pivot uh, to a man who really is due for an aneurysm any moment now, but just doesn't seem to have had one or. Is not having one. Maybe this will do it. Maybe when they get up to the third or fourth indictment, it'll happen, Ken. But uh, here's a sampling of the headlines in the New York Times right now. As Trump awaits charges, U.S. enters uncharted territory. 
Um, there is editorials, including uh, this one, even Donald Trump should be held accountable. The first Trump indictment is here and it matters. The rule of law now depends on Republicans. If nothing else, this thing is generating more words than uh, anything you could possibly imagine in recent history, except maybe COVID-19. I myself must have read six, seven, eight, nine, a dozen articles about this today. And I'm sort of torn between uh, wondering, we always talk because, you know, you've devoted your, your life to the law about nobody being above the law. But so far in this country's history, no American president has been indicted. So right. is this a quote unquote dangerous precedent or do we need to indict him? Because, look, to my mind, this is a guy who shattered every norm who broke numerous laws repeatedly, who has consistently throughout his life shown an absolute contempt for the law and a willingness to uh, do an end run around it, to evade it, to pay people off when he had to. So is this just a fair comeuppance or is this a bad idea? You know, I, I think it's a I think that moving ahead to prosecute uh, Trump and hopefully imprison him is a good idea. But I also think it has some downsides, right? I, I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. It's an unequivocally good idea, because it is gonna. It is gonna keep happening now, right? I mean, I think in the future, you know, if Trump or DeSantis or somebody like that gets back in, you know, they're they're gonna look to indict Biden now, you know, just only because you know Trump got indicted. So, you know, I think we will see like kind of a cycle of retaliation, which won't be good. Um, but I still think it's worth it in this case because. Um, Trump is, you know, guilty as hell and intransigent and really contemptuous of the rule of law. And he's still uh, a major force in uh, American public life and American politics. He's probably the front runner for the Republican nomination even right now. And so I, I think that, you know, someone like that cannot be allowed to flout the law with impunity. Um, I think the standard for whether he should be indicted for these crimes would be, you know, would anyone else be indicted for these same crimes? And of course, we know the answer is yes, because Michael Cohen already was. But, Ken, did you see his speech the other day in Waco where he said uh, he called Stormy Daniels a horse face and said she's not the one that he would have had an affair with? I yeah. mean, come on. What yeah. about that? What about that denial? Uh, by the way, Karen McDougal preceded Stormy Daniels, Playboy right. Playmate of 1998 in 2007, 2008, or it might have been 2006, 2007. Don't make a liar out of me for a year. She met regularly with Donald Trump at a number of locations, including his Bedminster Golf Club and his bungalow at the or room or cabana or whatever the hell it was at the Beverly Hills Hotel, uh, probably Trump Tower and, a, and some other spot. And she was bought off by David Pecker. Yes, that's his last name <laughs> at the National Enquirer in uh, what they call a catch and kill move. And they made numerous uh Promises to her they were going to give her a regular column, so on and so forth, and instead they just killed her story about her affair. Because by 2007, her modeling career had dried up. She was looking to sell this story, and this is what happened. But can she be called, uh, can Bragg call her to the stand as a supporting witness in that, hey, this is a scheme of his to pay off uh, those he's had sex with to avoid it? Uh, by the way, this whole case... If, correct me if I'm wrong, hinges on one proving one thing. He paid these women off 
to protect protect his chances as a candidate and not to protect his family. Like he wasn't thinking about Melania. By the way, uh, I could buy that in a uh, New York New York minute. I, I'll buy that. <laughs> And so what so is that the heavy lift ahead of uh, the prosecutor here is the proof that this was this payoff amounted to an illegal election contribution? Yeah, let me answer the first part of your question first about um, uh, the the other the other woman, uh, Ms. McDougall. Um, I don't think her testimony would be relevant and I, I would not expect to see it because at the time that those payoffs were made, that would not have, I don't, as my understanding of the timeline is that that would not have been out of um, uh, campaign funds. Um, yeah, but here's why it backs up the Stormy Daniels, because they have tape of Trump saying to Michael Cohen, uh, how, do we, how are we going to pay back the 150? So uh, Trump was aware that David Pecker had paid this woman $150,000 and was asking his fixer, Michael Cohen, how they were going to pay back the 150. So isn't that supporting evidence? Well, a, a, a scheme to hush somebody up from talking about an affair is not inherently unlawful, um, you know, unless unless it's um, financed out of uh, uh, campaign contributions that are excessive campaign contributions. So, um, so I think I don't know enough about the facts of the McDougal case, but if what you're saying is there, there's a pattern in practice that he would pay off um, his paramours um, uh, through through intermediaries. Um, you know, that, that might help establish that that's also what he did for Stormy Daniels. But I, as I understand it, the, the only criminal conduct would relate to doing that in Stormy Daniels's case, because that would mean, um, that he, um, you know, not only misused, um, campaign, uh, funds, but also that he falsified campaign financial records as well. And, and his horse face defense is in, invalid as far as you're concerned. <laughs> yeah. That's your legal opinion. The horse face defense is invalid. Okay. Um, you when you mentioned the reasons why there's downside to this, I noticed you didn't mention the millions upon millions of Americans who are still very, very much in love with this man. And Marjorie Taylor Greene coming to Manhattan on Tuesday to lead some of these crazies in protest here. Does is that a concern of yours at all? Um, yeah, that's not that's not a uh, um, it's it's not a major concern of mine. Uh, you know, I I think uh, um, you know Trump's Trump's going to try to you know gin up his base about this, and other you know other criminal defendants have done that. You know, but I I, I don't that's going to blow over. I don't think that's going to have lasting harm, right? So if you're talking about uh, people who are particularly um, loyal to Trump, you know, there's going you know there were a lot of people who were very loyal to Nixon. And that doesn't have a ton of impact on today's politics, but I think it's more the cycle of retaliation that I would worry about, you know, yeah. the, the escalating cycle of retaliation. So on Tuesday, this is when these indictments are supposed to be unsealed. Did you read, by the way, that there's more than two dozen charges? I mean, how, how can that be? I, I read that that I read that people are saying that um, I don't really put a lot of stock in it. I don't know how anyone could know that. You know, the, the only way anyone could know that is if there was an improper leak. And I don't, I don't think Alan Bragg's office has been engaging in any improper leaking. In fact, they they managed to keep it completely a, a shock to everybody when they came down with this indictment yesterday after seeming to misdirect the whole world into thinking that it was going to be at least another month now. And uh, um, so I, I don't see any, any evidence there have been any leaks out of there. And that makes me really say, 
I don't have a guess about how many um, uh, counts will be in the indictment. I, I've heard that number, even 30 count indictment batted around, but it, it, it seems to me not to have any, any basis. Uh, we're talking with Ken Katkin, uh, constitutional professor of law, constitutional law professor at Samet P. Chase School of Law at Northern Kentucky University and uh, host of Trash Flow Radio on WAIF-FM Cincinnati on Saturdays. Is it noon? 3 p.m. I always forget. Uh, Saturdays at noon, although I'll miss it tomorrow because I have COVID. Yeah, you're not there yeah. tomorrow. And where can folks stream WAIF? Uh, uh, it's at uh, WAIF Radio, W-A-I-F-R-A-D-I-O dot uh, org. There you go. And uh, we're trying to get some uh, clarity on this indictment of Donald Trump and the uh, he's going to be arrested, right? There's going to be a fingerprints. There's going to be a mugshot. Is that going to happen? Absolutely. He'll be fingerprinted and mugshotted. You know, I, I don't think he'll be hand, I don't think he'll be handcuffed, but um, I have heard other people disagreeing with that. I've heard some people say that they have to be handcuffed um, in, in New York. Um, I know in the federal system, uh, they don't necessarily have to be if, if their lawyer negotiates a proper surrender. Now, I think there will be some drama about whether Trump is going to surrender. I see a lot of the news reporting saying that he is he's agreed that he's going to surrender um, on Tuesday and he's going to show up in court in New York on Tuesday. Um, you know, and I'm sure his lawyers are saying that, which is which is why it's being reported in the news. I don't trust Trump that much, though. I think that could be a trick. Um, I, I actually think he might be you know, saying that he's going to surrender so that people aren't planning to figure out how to arrest him. And then he just won't show up in New York on Tuesday and he'll stay in Florida where um, where Governor Ron DeSantis, DeSantis has are, said he's not going to extradite him. Yeah, DeSantis said he's not going to extradite him. Now, it's only going to take a court an hour to order DeSantis to extradite him. But I think there's going to there's going to have to be a, a probably a court proceeding on that. Um, you know, there's nothing to really force Trump to 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 surrender um, uh, if he decides to, you know, just say he's going to surrender and then not. Um, but he will be arrested. He'll definitely be handcuffed in this, that event. The, by the way, sidebar conversation. Um, I don't get Ron DeSantis at all. I mean, Donald Trump has already applied a number of nicknames to him, but the one that's sticking is Meatball, right? Meatball yeah. Ron. <laughs> Uh, John Oliver did a hilarious uh, takedown of Ron DeSantis a few weeks ago, if you haven't seen it. If you don't watch last week tonight, you should track it down on YouTube. They always put those up on YouTube. So, uh, But this was a chance for DeSantis to be like, yeah, this. I mean, this guy's my rival. This is the guy I'm going to be, you know, of going back and forth with for the nomination. Here's my chance, right? Do you think this is just a stage play because he, uh, DeSantis is – is a lawyer, isn't he? I mean, he must yeah. know that this is just uh, window dressing. This, I'm not going to yeah. allow him to be extradited. He, he must know, right? This is all for the base. He's playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a, a couple days ago, um, when uh, um, when Desant before Trump was indicted, when Desantis was asked, you know, what do you think about Trump being indicted? You know, Desantis made a kind of two sided statement. I guess you heard that when he's like, well, I don't. I don't I don't ha- I don't know a lot about, you know, what's involved when somebody pays off a porn star to keep a, 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 a fair uh, quiet. So I don't I don't really know the law around that. But, yeah, I just know these New York Democrats are trying to persecute him. You know, so he sort of tried to make it, you know, out of two sides of his mouth. And I think the right wing hit back at DeSantis very hard about that for not defending Trump enough. So I think now he kind of had to take a stance that he's like more um, standing by Trump. But I I think he's kind of faked by Trump. I mean, Trump, Trump and Trump's lawyers have been saying 
you know, if I'm indicted, I will surrender. And even today he's saying I will surrender. So I think DeSantis has this kind of, you know, if you believe that Trump is going to surrender like he says he's going to surrender, then it allows DeSantis to say whatever he wants about whether he'd extradite him or not. Because, you know, if Trump's going to surrender, then nobody's going to ask DeSantis to expedite him, to, to, to extradite him. So I, I think he... I think DeSantis, like, I might as well just say whatever the Republican base wants to hear the most. And that's like, all right, I'll be the most intransigent and say I'm going to stand by Trump. But if it really came to it, um, you know, what, what's he going to do? He's just going to say no to, to, to uh, Bragg. I'm not going to extradite him. And then Bragg's going to file something in court in Florida, you know, saying there, there's no grounds not to extra, extradite Trump. Now extradite him. And the court's going to rule, OK, you got to extradite him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is yeah. going to get hairier. It's going to get hairier, but there's more. Wait, there's more, as they say on television. Um, Thursday, the former president released a statement. He called uh, Bragg, quote, a disgrace, unquote, denounced the case as, quote, political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history, unquote, and then described himself, quote, as a completely innocent person, unquote. Now, in your experience as a lawyer when someone says i'm a completely innocent person is that <laughs> well you know i want to answer this one carefully like i think i think it is actually true in cases around campaign finance law um that there are completely innocent people who get indicted uh because the campaign finance is a, is a particularly um politicized area of law enforcement there's a there's a lot of complex and complicated rules with a lot of traps for the unwary. And you always have one political party in charge of a prosecutor's office. And so it kind of does give them a cudgel to use against the other party. So I think there's kind of a kernel of truth to what Trump is saying there. But I think in his case, it's totally misapplied because it seems to me that there's there could, one or the other thing has to be true. Either it was right to charge Michael Cohen with these crimes or it was wrong to, to charge Michael Cohen with these crimes. Now, if it was right to charge Michael Cohen with these crimes, which the Trump administration did, um, well, you know, in, in the very um, uh, indictment of, of Cohen, um, the prosecutor's case was that he, he did everything he did because Trump was the head of the conspiracy and Trump told him to do it. Um, so if the Trump administration was right to indict Cohen, then by the same logic, it's, it's right to indict Trump. He's the head of the same conspiracy. Now, on the other hand, if the, if the Trump administration was that, that is some Cohen. thunderstorm moving through Cincinnati, by yes, the way. Cincinnati's what is getting pounded with thunder. It has damn, I'm, if yeah. we lose Ken Kacken, you know why, yeah. right? Because he's being lashed right now by some severe weather there in Cincinnati. I am. Yeah. So if, if, on the other hand, it was the Trump administration that was being crooked and political and, 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 and if, if, they, if they prosecuted Michael Cohen for, for totally illegitimate reasons, and that's a totally illegitimate prosecution, then it still seems to me like fair medicine to say, okay, well, that should apply against you also then. If you did that to Cohen, why shouldn't, why shouldn't the others do that to you? So I, I think either way, you know, whether, whether, however you look at the Cohen prosecution, you know, if, if you say, well, it was, it was a righteous prosecution, Trump was a participant in that scheme, and so he should be, he should be indicted and prosecuted for the same conduct. Uh, I if, believe the expression is hoisted on his hoisted own card. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, if you think it was a wrongful prosecution, then I think Trump deserves the same because he was behind that one. Yeah. So then we look forward to Georgia, right? Because uh, everyone's thinking the next indictment. There's uh, how many possible three or four, maybe five 
Georgia prosecutor, it says here in the New York Times, is in the final stages of an inquiry into Mr. Trump's attempt to reverse the election results in that state. Remember when that happened? Uh, Moreover, a federal special counsel is leading two separate investigations into Mr. Trump's broader actions to cling to power after his 2020 electoral defeat and into his hoarding of documents marked as classified after leaving office. So there's any number of other possible indictments coming down the pike. Yeah, you know, I think that the Georgia case is an extremely strong case since most of Trump's criminal conduct is on recorded phone calls that you can listen to. But um, the one thing I'm a little nervous about in Georgia is the the Georgia legislature is moving very quickly now to strip uh, the Atlanta prosecutor of the authority to bring this case. And uh, if she doesn't if she doesn't bring it uh, soon, you know, I, I, I do think that um, the, the 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 Trump the Trump aligned legislature there is going to pass this bill. Now, Governor Kemp, you know, even though he's a Republican, maybe he wouldn't sign that bill. He was um, one of the people who stood up to Trump during those the, the, the episode in, in Georgia that um, uh, is the subject of that investigation. So I don't know how that will go, but I think you do have a very Trumpy state legislature in Georgia and they're tampering uh, with the authority of they're trying to tamper with the authority of the Atlanta D.A. Yeah, but, you know, there was a protest in Alpharetta, Georgia, apparently, um, which is a described as a wealthy right leaning suburb north of Atlanta where some uh, protesters congregated on a bridge overlooking State Route 400. And from the picture, it looks like it's about eight people. I I don't know. Maybe they're not that upset yet. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen on on Tuesday in New York. But when you uh, put your uh, toe in the water and, and test the temperature, do you think most people uh, have the stomach to show up and protest for Donald Trump right now with everything else going on in the world? Inflation? No, no, and... I'm not. I'm not worried about protests. I'm a little more worried about the Georgia legislature. You know, they, right. they, yeah, they have the power to to strip that Atlanta DA of of her jurisdiction to move forward with that case. Yeah. Now, I do think I do think the federal cases are going forward. There's no doubt about it. I think since the day that Jack Smith was appointed special counsel. The reason he was appointed special counsel was to get these indictments. You know, I, I think I think Garland's 100 percent behind that. And that's going to happen. So those are about fomenting an insurrection, essentially that case. Not Yeah. One, yeah. one is the it's fomenting the insurrection. And that that case is one of the two cases. And that one proceeds on two tracks. One is about organizing the physical attack on the Capitol to disrupt the electoral vote count. And the other is about organizing the fake elector scheme across some of the states so that they could have um, fake slates of electors to present to the electoral count. Um, and then the totally separate investigation is about the documents at Mar-a-Lago. That, now, that's the other are one. any of these treason? I mean, what do they charge him with in those first two cases? The the possible insurrection and subverting an election. I mean, that's treason, isn't it? Well, treason technically has to involve a conspiracy with a foreign enemy. And although I do think that he probably was working with the Russians on all this stuff. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why I not? I don't think I don't think any prosecutor is going to charge it out that way. So okay. unless unless you can prove that foreign, sedition, um, it's sedition, it's sedition. Yeah. Ah. I mean, it could be, it could be charged as sedition. I, I think they'll probably charge it lo- lighter than that. Um, I You know, it could be just charged as um, um, a, a attempt to interfere with a government proceeding. Um, oh, or, I just had um, a terrible thought, Ken Kacken. Yeah, or, or, or certain kinds of fraud in connection yeah. with the fake elector schemes, um, fraud on the government. I think there's there's cr- criminal charges that would be um, not as serious, but would be much easier to prove, mm. you know, that would be slam dunks to prove 
Um, and so I think that's probably the way it'll get charged. So my terrible thought is, you know that group, the Capital Steps, who does the parody songs uh, about the topical political events of the time? You remember they used to sh- shove them on PBS all the time? You'd turn it on and be like, what the hell is the Capital Steps? What is this crap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be some group singing. So, that, so of course, they're going to have a tune. It's going to be sung to the tune of tradition from Fiddler on the Roof, but it's going to be sedition, sedition, sedition. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. I'm just saying. I I I I I don't know if the Capitol Steps is still around. Maybe they're done. Maybe they're gone. I mean, this is back in the 1980s. <laughs> Unless they keep replacing these people, it's it's a bit long in the tooth. But who knows? I'm so glad that you're here, Ken Kacken, to dissect all this because some of it's got me a little worried. I'll have to admit to some trepidation because again, uh, f- for how many years, how many presidents did we not? indict people for crimes even though they may have committed crimes they may have committed crimes while in the white house we just didn't take that step it was considered taboo so (laughs) does this have any relation to the fact that for i mean for most of his adult life the times the long as long as we've known donald trump he doesn't seem to really care about taboos all that much you know one of his lifelong tricks was to get tight with law enforcement and uh he was even pretty tight with, um, you know, Robert Morgenthau, who was the New York DA forever. And uh, I think that that has been a strategy that's helped him uh, stay out of trouble. But, um, you know, I think his luck's running out on that one now. Because of the racist uh, brag? Is that why? Well, it's not just Bra- right. I mean, he's got Fonnie Willis in Atlanta. He's got Bragg in New York and he's got Merrick Garland in the Justice Department. He has no influence with any of these people. Right. I mean, I think that the kind of influence that he was able to exercise that kept him out of trouble in his New York years actually kind of paradoxically was related to him um, not being so identified as a partisan with one party or the other. Right. He was just sort of like a money guy for all these guys. He gave more money probably to Democrats than to Republicans when he was in New York. He, yeah. Yeah. Because because that was who had power in New York. You know, yeah. and uh, it was I all about he, getting those stupid buildings made. That's really what it was all about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he just had a skill for kind of cozying up to power, but it's harder to do that all the time once you're really a partisan, because then you just can't party cozy up to the people of the other party. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll certainly try to keep track of all of this. And so the next thing that happens again on Tuesday, there's supposed to be this arrest. He's he's saying he's going to surrender himself. Uh, Ken Kacken, you heard him say, doesn't yeah. believe I that. don't believe him. You know, uh, everybody seems to be believing him. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Uh, you know, that's interesting. I think he what he'll possibly do is delay for a while, but then he will show up. He'll delay what? because that's a power trip. You know, he'll run another power trip, but he can't just not show up. What's, what's he going to do? Have them? Does he want the visual of uh, agents marching in the Mar-a-Lago and... <laughs> And and wrestling him to the ground and arresting him is that what he wants? Because I don't know if he wants that'll that, help but him I think raise he wants money. To make uh, he wants to wrong foot DeSantis a little bit as well as to delay things a little bit. Because think about this, you know, for him to show up in court on Tuesday morning in New York, he would have to leave Florida on Monday, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah. So we'll know on Monday if he left Florida or not. Now, if, if he leaves Florida on Monday. I'm sure he will show up in court uh, Tuesday morning, at least if he actually goes to New York on Monday. Yeah. But if he but if but if he just sits there in Florida and doesn't leave, I, I think that's a strategy for him because it'll 
it'll slow things down a little bit and it'll draw DeSantis into the middle of Trump's problems yeah. you know, in, in ways that will be uncomfortable for but, DeSantis. But there is something to the theory that this is a man who has played the victim all of his life. They're, they're prosecuting me. They're persecuting me. They're coming after me because they're trying to get to you. I am your retribution. So maybe he does want that visual because he's been fundraising like hell off of this. He's been raising millions of dollars ever since this became a possibility of the, this indictment. Yeah, I mean, I heard someone say that if the if the if the uh, police don't handcuff him, he'll bring his own handcuffs and put his handcuffs on himself. That's, so that's that what I'm saying. I think he wants that visual. I think that that is something that he can uh, eat out on for quite a while, for quite yeah. a while. And so, by the way, there is a statement from Ivanka Trump. Uh, played it very both sides. I love my father. I love this country. Is essentially what she said. It, it's meaningless. Right. Right. <laughs> I and, think the significance is she doesn't say it was an uh, an unjust uh, uh, indictment. Well, she says, "quote And I think that this shows obviously the fear that the Democrats have of Trump and the political strength." That he has. So that's why this is happening, because the Democrats fear him. I, I think anybody who's living, breathing and conscious fears him. Yeah, It's not just Democrats. I, I, I know we want to ha- always ha- split things, both sides, everything. But uh, there's a lot of Republicans, Ken Kack, and wouldn't they be happy to see Something finally put a dent in this guy so they can move on to Ron DeSantis, Meatball Ron, described as Trump without the chaos. I mean, that's really what they want. They want the Trumpian policies. They want the culture war. They want the war on woke. They just don't want the chaos anymore. I think that's right. But they also want uh, the um, excitement that he generates with um, some segment of the voters because – Really, like, you know, other than Trumpers, like, who else is out there that still votes Republican? You know, it's a it's a darn good question. I don't think I have an answer for that question. <laughs> I think that's uh, why they need him, right? Yeah, they like, need him you, because he fires up the base, and the base is all about owning the libs. And, and, and if we never get past that, if we never get past the thrill, the the visceral thrill these people have when they think they've owned whatever that means, the libs— it's just it's it always reminds me of that joke with the guy from New York and the natives want to turn everybody into canoes and the guy from New York grabs a knife and starts stabbing himself and says, Fuck you canoes, fuck you canoes. It's like that joke, Ken Kack, and that's what this is to, to me. It's the it's just they would do anything, including let their limbs fall off from some untreated medical condition if it meant they could own the libs, because their governor didn't want to take any federal money for Obamacare in their state or whatever it was. It's gotten to the point where it really is just cutting off their nose to spite their face. And and you and I have had conversations before. We could have another one again, except I'm running out of time, about how much money the federal government sends to these states that vote Republican and how it's so much more than money that goes to blue states to pay for people's health insurance and their food and all this other stuff. I mean, they're sucking from the federal teat in a way that is unbelievable. New Jersey, number one or number two. I for, always number forget. One. It's number, number one. one in sending yeah. tax dollars to the federal government that's sent to Kentucky, for yeah, instance. Right. And meanwhile, all they do is turn around and want to own the libs. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can either have the money 
or you can shut the fuck up about owning the libs as far as I'm concerned. So which is it that you want? You do want to you want to feed yourself and pay your rent, or do you want to feel great because somehow you, I don't even understand it. We stopped owning people many many years ago, so somehow we have to get loose of this idea. Ken, that's me. I'm just I'm sorry to go on a harangue while you're here, but there you go. I'm with you on that. Uh, that was my favorite heavy metal m- magazine, by the way. Harangue. I used to love <laughs> a good copy of Harangue. Was it Did Kerrang or was it Kerrang? It was Kerrang. I was Kerrang. making yeah. a joke. You're making a pun. Making yeah. a pun about uh, heavy metal guys who just uh, monologue and get pissed off for whatever reason. On an unrelated note, are you watching Daisy Jones and the Six by any chance? No, I saw you uh, post something about that, yeah. but uh, wh- I don't really know what it is. Oh, it's based on a book about sort of a Fleetwood Mac type of band and the things that go on in the band because people are in love with each other and so on and so forth. It's really, I I turned to my wife uh, when we finished it last night, finally. And I said, so this could be summed up as it's not really fun being in a band. That's really how I could sum up this show. It's not fun being in a band. That's how you would sum up this show. I just saved you hours and hours of viewing. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, watch it. I, I still have COVID, so I got a lot of time to watch TV. Uh, it's interesting in that it's kind of about a band. And by the way, uh, who was the technical director on this? Um, she used to be married to uh, Thurston Moore, and I um, her name is uh, Lee. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Gordon? Somebody? Who was that? What was his wife's name? Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, you know. Oh, uh, Kim Kim Gordon. Kim Gordon. Yeah, I got the last name right. I got the first <laughs> yeah. name right. Kim yeah. Gordon was the technical director. So the band stuff looks looks right. You know, like when they're playing and they got their instruments and the whole thing. She obviously had an eye for detail. So watch it for that alone, for the technical production. Aspect. I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. It's good to talk to you, man, as always. And again, we're going to look for another update on the 2010 Green Camry soon and the criminal enterprise going on in Dalton. Once more, you can find Ken at WAIFradio.com and .org, .org. .org, sorry, <laughs> and on the air at WAIFFM in Cincinnati area. Not tomorrow as he's got the COVID. I'm sorry it finally got you, dude. Yeah, it's, it's gotten me before, too, but it oh. got me again. Yeah. Here yeah. you go. This one's going out to that bank robber who fled to Indiana. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Don't forget, Hound House, 3 p.m. Sunday. Crashing the party, 5 p.m. Sunday. This is Eric again, back to remind you to take your belongings and to get a receipt from the driver. Have a perfect day.